Welcome to the Crossroads in Culture podcast, where we discuss issues relating to life, ministry, and culture. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving wherever you may have celebrated the holiday and with those you were able to celebrate. I know some of you may live in other states where you were told to wear a mask indoors or maybe no hugging your family or friends. You were told to bring your own food or like in my state, it was mandated to limit the number of people in your home. Or maybe you were told just to cancel Thanksgiving altogether, which seems fitting in this cancel culture in which we live. Unless, of course, you're in a position of authority and, and you're exempt from the mandates. But, but I digress, and I don't want to do that. So I do sincerely hope that, that whatever your circumstances were over Thanksgiving, that you were still able to acknowledge and celebrate that even in the madness of this world, there is much to be thankful to God for. He has graciously blessed us. We deserve nothing that we have. Everything comes from Him, and we should be very thankful. We should be thankful for this nation that we live in, even, even though we are in the middle of difficult times. It is just chaotic. I never thought I would see what I've seen take place in the United States of America, but here we are, and we're not on a good course. But I believe that the United States has another good run in her before we find ourselves fully embracing what we're currently on the brink of experiencing and the fear that seems tangible, it seems palpable. As of now, though, we're, we're on the precipice looking into the shadowlands shadow of, of what will come, and which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. But, but I'm praying and I fully believe that, that God's not done with us as a nation and that what God will spare us from for the time being, will, will be a gracious opportunity for the church to become prepared for what will eventually unfold in the future. I also believe that God is exposing the evil that exists in this nation, including government, uh, media, big tech, uh, business and industry, religion, education, and other spheres of, of influence as well. For many, it's going to be very shocking to see just how deep the evil and corruption go, even though it's been hidden in plain sight. And although there are many conspiracy theories that, that seem to exist, many people are soon going to see, I believe, that, that what was thought could not be true is, in fact, very true. You see, it doesn't take much social awareness to see that as a nation— we're on the verge of experiencing fundamental change known as the Great Reset. That would be a drastic left turn, and yes, that pun is intended, into an abyss of globalist socialism which would eradicate individual freedoms and liberty and institute a demonic system that without a doubt will be the foundation upon which the final beast empire that Scripture refers to will govern. This is not conjecture. This is not hyperbole. It's biblical. And it's unfolding before our eyes. What we've seen take place over, the, over this past year, it's become, it's become opportunistic for those who, who, who seek to change the system. I mean, after all, that's the whole premise for the Great Reset. Maybe you've heard this phrase recently in the last several days or the last week or two, uh, this phrase of a Great Reset. From, from COVID-19, which is a very real disease that's become politically weaponized. I mean, just, just look at the CDC's reported recovery rate and the ineffectiveness of masks to prevent or even slow the spread. For example, 87% plus, according to the CDC, who have contracted COVID wore masks. 
Now, this is not to make light of the deaths due to COVID, but rather to shed light on the scientific and the statistical data that isn't being reported to the general public. But it's not just COVID-19. It's the anarchist riots it's that, that we've seen that, that have been cloaked in this narrative of systemic racism through the proxies of Marxist and fascist organizations such as Black Lives Matters Incorporated, the, the group itself, and the fascist group Antifa. In, in addition, you throw in the most crucial and consequential presidential election in perhaps the history of our country and the overt vitriol that has been leveraged against President Trump by the media, big tech companies, as well as what is becoming more evidentially clear in, in voting fraud. And you can see why socialist-minded individuals who hold global power and influential positions are so opportunistic. And for those who doubt the, the legitimacy of these opportunistic examples that I've mentioned, I would suggest turning off CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and other mainstream media sources and do your own research. Start digging. Start, start looking to see what really is taking place. Get the facts, not the facts, and I put that in quotes, that are just presented by mainstream media because they write the narrative. Now, as I mentioned, this phrase, the Great Reset, what, what is it? What, what is this, this Great Reset? Well, I'm going to give you what the context is, and this comes specifically from the World Economic Forum's website. And I'm going to give you that, that web address in just a few moments um, where you can go and look this up yourself. But I'm going to give you the context of what has been called the Great Reset. So, so, so this comes, again, from the website. I'm quoting this. This is not something I'm saying. This is coming from the website. Quote, the COVID-19 crisis and the political, economic, and social disruptions it has caused is fundamentally changing the traditional context for decision-making. The inconsistencies, inadequacies, and contradictions of multiple systems, from health and financial to energy and education, are more exposed than ever amidst a global context of concern for lives, livelihoods, and the planet. Leaders find themselves at a historic crossroads, managing short-term pressures against medium and long-term uncertainties, end quote. That's the context that's given by the World Economic Forum uh, regarding the Great Reset. Now, this should cause your ears to perk up a bit, right? COVID, listen to what they're saying. COVID is changing the traditional context for decision making. In other words, instead of you making the decisions about your health and how to protect yourself, a different decision making process needs to be established. And if you haven't noticed, we're already seeing that here in the United States, as well as Europe, specifically the UK. I mean, those who embrace the ideology of the Great Reset, government leaders such as Gavin Newsom, who's the governor of California, Tom Wolf, the governor of Pennsylvania, Andrew Cuomo, uh, the governor of New York, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, just to name a few. I, I could go on and on with names um, who are willing to lock down their state and their city uh, and have done that, regardless of the consequences, because in their mind, reset is in order. Of course, this applies for those who live in their state and their city, but not for them. Their hypocrisy should be, the, should be reason enough to lead you to consider that what they're selling is not safety, but fear. It's control. That's the new context for decision-making. And because you and I aren't smart enough to know how to protect ourselves and others, they're going to do it for us. 
Even though the science that they promote contradicts their overreaching policies and mandates, eliciting fear for the sake of control, that's the new context for decision-making. Again, this is not just for the U.S., but it is much, it's part of a much bigger reset. It's, it's a global reset. So that's the context for the Great Reset. And again, I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm reading this, the initial part of this that I read just a few moments ago from their website. Here's, here's the opportunity they see. This comes from the World Economic Forum's website as well. And I'm quoting this, quote, As we enter a unique window of opportunity to shape the recovery, this initiative will offer insights to help inform all those determining the future state of global relations, the direction of national economies, the priorities of societies, the nature of business models, and the management of a global commons. Drawing from the vision and vast expertise of the leaders engaged across the forum's communities, the Great Reset Initiative has a set of dimensions to build a new social contract that honors the dignity of every human being, end quote. That, again, not only should make your ears perk up, but it should cause you to shudder because this, this is a huge shift, specifically from what we have been about as the United States of America and the founding of, of our nation. Now, there was a, a virtual meeting earlier in June um, that was hosted by the World Economic Forum. Uh, and, and it hosted some of the planet's most powerful business leaders, government officials, and activists, um, and they announced a proposal to reset the global economy. So instead of traditional capitalism, the high-profile group said that the world should adopt a more uh, socialistic approach, more socialistic policies, such as wealth taxes, additional regulations, and massive Green New Deal-like government programs. So recently, in an article that was posted on the World Economic Forum's website, the founder and the executive chairman of the, of the WEF, his name is Klaus Schwab, that's a fun name to say, Klaus Schwab, who is essentially the architect of the Great Reset Movement globally, he wrote this, quote, The world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. End quote. He specifically called on, in, 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 in essence, he emphatically charged the two most powerful nations in the world to take part in the Great Reset. When, when Klaus Schwab said this, quote, every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a Great Reset of capitalism. So, so in part, this would include a new international digital currency that would be used to displace the dollar as the world's reserve currency. And as well, it would take the economic power and give it to a small number of bankers and elites. And that is never a good thing. Again, this is Socialism 101. Klaus Schwab also said that all aspects of our societies and economies must be, quote, revamped from education to social contracts and working conditions. Now, Klaus Schwab, the founder, again, of the World Economic Forum, because of his socialistic ideology and his practice, he's been called by some the new Karl Marx, and it certainly seems true. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, joining Schwab at this at this WEF event, the World Economic Forum event, was Prince Charles, 
one of the primary proponents of the Great Reset. Prince Charles actually said, quote, we have a golden opportunity to seize something good from this crisis. Its unprecedented shockwaves may well make people more receptive to big visions of change. It's an opportunity we have never had before and may never have again. That phrase, we have this golden opportunity to see something good from this crisis. It reminds me of what Rahm Emanuel said, who was you know, tied in with uh, President Obama's administration. He was a mayor of Chicago, um, said that uh, never let a crisis go to waste or never waste a crisis situation. And that's certainly what's taking place with the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, Prince Charles, as well as others who were at this meeting, uh, Gina Gopinath, who is the chief economist at the International Monetary Fund, Antonio Guterres, he's the secretary general of the United Nations, and other CEOs and presidents of major international corporations such as Microsoft, so you have Bill Gates, and also British Petroleum, um, they were involved in this as well, and many, many others. Uh, activists like uh, the, the group uh, Greenpeace International, right, and a variety of other academics also attended the event, and they've, or they've expressed their support of the Great Reset. Canada's Prime Minister, maybe you saw this on the news, but Canada's Prime Minister, or maybe you didn't actually, um, but Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau recently stated to the United Nations, he said this, quote, Canada believes that a strong, coordinated response across the world and across sectors is essential. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. End quote. Now, in addition to saying that, he has pledged over $400 million to this global endeavor. I read an article posted on The Blaze not long ago, and they reported that Schwab, Klaus Schwab, the, the, the one who's the architect of the Great Reset, that he and other supporters of the Great Reset blame many of the world's problems on the perceived failure of the existing social contract and what they call shareholder capitalism. The current economic system in much of the Western world is, is shareholder capitalism. So under shareholder capitalism, individuals can buy shares of companies, which, which are, are then expected to produce goods and services, and they can sell to customers for a profit. Now, this is no different than what we see in communist China. We see that now. Or what, the, or what Germany went to in the 1930s. If you do some of your research and go back and look at what history truly teaches, not, not revisionist history, but what history truly teaches, you're going to see that this is exactly what was taking place in Germany in the 1930s. The rise of Hitler, the rise of the Nazi regime, and the rest is history, as they say. Now, this isn't just current global leaders, though. And although there's not been a formal announcement by Joe Biden that he supports the Great Reset, he has made many comments that quote verbatim the agenda of the World Economic Forum. So in July of this year, Biden called for an end to the era of shareholder capitalism. That was a quote that he said. He said he wanted to end the era of shareholder capitalism, which means that he really wants us to go to socialism. Now, that seems as though people like Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, members of the squad, they're speaking into this, as I'm going to mention in just a second. Now, in addition to ending this era of shareholder capitalism, he echoed that the government should use the coronavirus pandemic as justification to rewrite the social contract of the United States. Now, again, interestingly enough, it doesn't end there. 
One of the mantras of the Great Reset is the phrase, quote, build back better, end quote. We're hearing that spoken as talking points across political, uh, the Democratic Party specifically. And, and those who are left-wing, that's their ideology, they would embrace that. This is not a slander on them. This is not trying to um, characterize them in a way that is incorrect. They have embraced this. But this phrase, build back better, has been touted by Joe Biden as well, expressly in promoting supporting the Green New Deal. That's being pushed by, as I said earlier, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, and the rest of, of the squad. There's, there's, it's the same. It is the same thing. So, and such a deal would greatly increase the power of government, and, and even that, even that's an understatement. It, and it would be catastrophic economically. It would surrender more power to international entities. Now, th- th- in my opinion, this is why I believe Donald Trump has been targeted because he stood in the way of this globalization. He stood in the way of the Great Reset. This has been something that has been in the works for a while, and they've been trying to to accelerate this. And I really do believe that President Trump has stood in the way of this. And as a result, he has been targeted. We've seen this, and you can deny it all you want to, but again, just dig uh, the facts yourself. They're available. You can look at this. Go to original sources rather than going to places that are bought in and are serving as proxies for the Democratic Party or for Joe Biden or for anybody else for that matter, just dig yourself and you're going to see that that big tech, Facebook, Twitter, it is, it is evident, unless you're just living with your head buried in the sand, which I'm fearful that, that some people, well, many people are, that Facebook and Twitter, even, even the CEO of Twitter, I can't remember his name right now, Jack something, right? So he... He even admitted that there was censorship that Twitter had during the campaign. So, I mean, even from his own lips, he makes the statement that there has been censorship. And Facebook doesn't uh, doesn't hide that either. So they've obviously not given conservatives uh, a fair shake in this. Um, If anything, they have banned accounts. They have suspended accounts uh, because they don't want the conservative side of the argument to be spoken or to be heard by the general public. So, so the Great Reset, when we look at this, I really believe that, that Donald Trump, President Trump, has been targeted because he stood in the way of this. Now, continuing talking about the Great Reset, the, the, the World Economic Forum and the United Nations have signed a strategic partnership. It's a framework for for some goals that have been set by the UN. Now, this this in June of 2019, so June of last year, the WEF and the United Nations signed this, this strategic partnership framework um, because they want to push what has been labeled by the United Nations as the 17 Sustainability Development Goals, or they call them the SDGs, 17 Sustainability Development Goals. Now, these goals integrate with the agenda and platforms of the World Economic Forum. And, and these, these are the 17. I'm going to list these, and then I'm going to explain one of them, which should cause, all of these should cause some concerns uh, for us. Great concern, actually. But there's one in particular I want to mention that um, when you go further in the reading of this document that the World Economic Forum has, as well as the United Nations, you're going to see that it involves um, the elimination of private property. 
And that is not conspiracy theory. That is within their own documents. So these 17 sustainability development goals of the UN um, are, are these. No poverty. Now, that sounds great, right? Having a world where there is no poverty. Zero hunger. That's the second one. Good health and well-being. Quality education. Gender equality. Clean water and sanitation. Affordable and clean energy. Decent work and economic growth. Industry, innovation, and infrastructure. Reduced inequalities. Sustainable cities and communities, that one goal, that's that's the 11th goal in the section 11.3. What they said is by 2030, enhance inclusive and sustainable urbanization and capacity for participatory, integrated, and sustainable human settlement planning and management in all countries. As you read further in their documentation and you go deeper into this, it speaks to the elimination of private property by 2030. In other words, where it would be a shared community. It would be owned by, um, by the public, so to speak. There is an article, actually, that is on the World Economic Forum, and you can do some searching on this, and it's someone who's writing from the perspective uh, of living in 2030 and how they own no property, they own nothing, they don't own any clothes, they don't own any vehicles, that everything is shared. Again, it is this utopian idea, a utopian society where socialism reigns, and it is just a pipe dream. So so that's goal 11, sustainable cities and communities. Goal 12, responsible consumption and production, then climate action, life below water, life on land, peace, justice, and strong institutions. And their 17th goal in the UN is partnerships for the goals. Now, unless you think this reset is nothing more than a conspiracy theory, just know that this is all, again, on the World Economic Forum's website as well as the United Nations website. It's been championed by those with a progressive ideology and political leanings, uh, the corporate elite, as well as the media. As a matter of fact, Time Magazine, their November 2nd issue, gave their cover story uh, to The Great Reset. That's its cover, The Great Reset. This is not a dig deep to find story. You don't have to dig very deep to find information about The Great Reset. But it's, it's baffling to me, though, how many people are, are, are crying conspiracy theory regarding things that either seem too hard to believe or that they do not want to consider as possibly being true. If there's anything that, that's been revealed, specifically in this election, it's how many people in our nation are, are really, they're ignorant of what is truly taking place, much like an ostrich with its, its head buried in the sand. Now, I'm not speaking of what's on sites that have been labeled conspiratorial, right? I, I'm not speaking of those sites. These hard-to-believe facts are in plain sight. You know, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure that Noah would have been labeled a conspiracy theorist when he warned the people that a global flood was coming. I mean, I'm sure they thought differently, though, as soon as the rain started falling and the door on the ark was closed, right? As Noah's looking out the window of the ark and seeing these people who are literally being swept away by this global flood and seeing the look in their eyes of terror, they suddenly realized that what they thought was a conspiracy theory was actually truth. The same was true regarding the prophets of the Old Testament. You take Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Joel, Habakkuk, just to name a few of the prophets that they would predict that enemies such as the Assyrians, the Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, Romans would destroy and take captive Israel seem ludicrous to the people of Israel. But to speak in, in today's vernacular, if you will, they were conspiracy theorists. They were lunatics, but, but they were spot on. They nailed it. 
recently I watched a, a documentary on the Holocaust where several Jews who survived as well as German civilians were, were interviewed. And there was one elderly woman in particular who said something that troubled me deeply. She said that they had heard stories about the Jews being murdered in gas chambers and then cremated, like at Auschwitz. That the smoke rising from the smokestacks of the concentration camps were from the dead bodies of Jewish women and children. But they wouldn't believe it, she said. It was just a conspiracy theory. They later would come to know that what they had heard that they didn't believe was all true. They were hard to believe facts that were in plain sight. You see, conspiracy theories can have a way of knocking you off of your woke feet. There are others, though, who who have reported on this, and they've bought into the ideology of the Great Reset. They're not like ostriches with their heads buried in the sand. They're, they're, they've bought into the ideology of the Great Reset. And so they're, they're not much different than the insects. Maybe you saw the movie A Bug's Life. They're not much different than those, those bugs um, who ignored the warnings of not looking into the light, only to fatally find out that it's a bug zap, zapper, right? So utopian thought always seems alluring, but it never pans out in this world. Broken people, broken governments, and broken systems cannot create an unbroken world. The truth is that in the end, progressive utopian thought is about nothing more than control by just a few. It's, it's like a, a Tootsie Roll pop with a center that, that's not made of chocolate, but a deadly poison. It tastes great until you get to the poison. And the truth is, you always get to the poison. So here's the question. Is this the end of the world as we know it? Well, maybe as we know it, but it's not the end yet. I I do believe, though, there's a day coming when what Scripture teaches about the final seven years that we find in Revelation will come to fruition. Personally, I believe what we're seeing is just a foretaste uh, of what's to come. And let me give you an example. So the masks and lockdowns, I believe, are just a test to see how far government can go and how easily people can be manipulated by fear. I know some think that that it really is keeping them safe, but all of the statistics that maybe you're not hearing, but if you go to the CDC's website, you'll see, are that they're not that effective. And it's causing people to live in fear. They're not living, they're existing in fear. And it's causing people to take drastic measures. I just saw this today, that in Japan, for the month of October, the number of suicides that they have had in Japan in the month of October surpasses the total number of deaths by COVID in Japan. Wrap your mind around that. In, In this year alone, Japan has had a little less than 20,000 suicides. And the reason that's being cited for this is because people are lonely, they are depressed, they are discouraged, and they are living in fear. So I believe that this is a test to see how far government can go and how easily people can be manipulated by fear. Another thing is, even though I don't believe the COVID vaccine is uh, if it's made mandatory, which, by the way, in, U- in the U.K., uh, I just saw this today as well, that 
that they are looking to make uh, the COVID vaccine when it comes out mandatory. They're they're starting to put uh, COVID vaccine stamps on passports so that so that people will be able to know and track who has had the COVID vaccine and versus who hasn't. Uh, I, I don't think that we're far from that being made mandatory here in the United States if, in fact, the election is certified and Joe Biden becomes the next president, which it's not been certified yet. So, again, the process needs to play out. And I know there's some of you are saying, hey, just give it up. Um, Joe Biden's the president. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of things that have come to surface that have they have produced evidence of voter fraud. And they're going through the legal process, which our system has been built uh, for us to to pursue those legal processes in case of voter fraud. And that's what makes American voting system great. What doesn't make it great um, are the Dominion software issues um, and mail-in ballot voter fraud. So so as it plays out, um, if we do see a Joe Biden administration, I do believe we're going to see the COVID vaccine be pushed uh, as mandatory. Um I don't believe that that's the mark of the beast. I've heard some people say that if the COVID vaccine is made mandatory, will that be the mark of the beast? No, I don't. But I do believe, though, that this will be a precursor to what will eventually be put in place with the Great Reset for economic health, identity, and data privacy purposes. So what Scripture refers to as the mark of the beast, I, I, I believe that, again, this is somewhat of a of a trial balloon, if you will, the COVID vaccine, if it's made mandatory. Um, and to see... What will what will happen if you don't have the vaccine? What that will limit you um, to do? Because the scriptures tell us that for those who do not take the mark of the beast, then they will not be able to purchase or buy um, or sell. Um, so I do believe I believe that it's a precursor. It's it's kind of again foreshadowing what what's coming. I also believe that uh, what we're seeing is a global system that's going to be governed by a few. This great reset is just that. It will give power to a few people. It will be a global governance. Uh, and I do think that the United Nations is the framework from which that will be established. That's why there's a partnership between the World Economic Forum um, as well as um, the United Nations. But it will be a global system that will be governed by a few, and ultimately one leader uh, of whom the Scriptures refer as uh, the Antichrist. And so there's there's a lot that's going on here, and 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 I know that some people would say I, I just I can't I can't believe that I can't I can't buy into that. Um, well, you have to understand that we live not only in a physical world, but ultimately, it is a spiritual world that we live in. Um, so so you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but I'll put my trust in the Bible, which has yet to miss. On matters of prophecy. So the question becomes then how how are we to respond to this as followers of Jesus? I mean, what do we do? Do we just go off and hide somewhere? Do we, I mean, do we do we bury do we bury our heads in the sand um, and and act like it doesn't exist? Well, that that's not helpful. So how, how are we to respond to this as followers of Jesus? Well, I wanted to just give you just maybe six things. First of all, I would encourage you to be certain that you're a follower of Jesus. Do you truly have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about being good. I'm not talking about doing good works. I'm talking about, have you come to a place where you realize that you're a sinner in need of God's forgiveness that is offered to us only through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross? 
that we can't save ourselves, that no one else can save us, that our works can't save us, we can't be good enough. It is only through what Christ has done on the cross that we can be saved and have a right relationship with God. So I would ask you, are you certain that you're a follower of Jesus? The second thing is live each day for the glory of God and take advantage of the time that God gives you to live life for his glory. Because we don't need to waste this life. We don't need to waste our time here. And every day should be lived for his glory, not for ours, but for his. Here's the third thing. Stand firm in the faith and refuse to give in to fear. You know, as followers of Jesus, and we trust in him. And I, know, and I know some people would say, well, you know, we need to be cautious with the coronavirus and everything else. And, and I get that. I mean, we, we want to take precautions. But what we've come to find out is that the death rate with COVID is so minuscule, specifically compared to other things like, like flu, um, pneumonia. And so, but, but with coronavirus, it has been so, um, the, the fear tactic, tactics have been so exacerbated that people are scared to death. I've I, I visited with children in schools who wear masks, and you could just, you can, you, not only do you hear this, but you see it on their faces. They're, they're, they are, they're scared. They're scared. Um, and so, so but as believers, we could stand firm in this faith that we have in Jesus and refuse to give in to fear. And here's why. This is the fourth thing. We need to remember that we have a living hope that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and it is guarded for us by Christ Jesus, that this world that we live in, this life we live now, is not all there is. It's only going to get better for us. That's why Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ. While I'm here, I'm going to live as a follower of Jesus. But to die is gain. And there is something better coming. And the reason why I believe we live in fear is because we don't understand or recognize what it's going to be like to be with Jesus for eternity. And we have this living hope now, Christ in us, but also this living hope that is to come when we see him face to face. I look forward to that day. Here's the fifth thing. Hold fast to the truth of God's word. I, I talked about this on a, on a previous podcast that so many people tend to, to base their decisions or, or bend the scriptures around what their feelings are and their lived experiences. And that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. The Word of God, the truth of God's Word should be the guardrails for our feelings um, and our lived experiences. It should, it should direct what do we do with our feelings. Do you, do you feel scared right now? Do you feel concerned? Um, are you anxious? I get that. It's okay. I mean, we have those feelings. God's created us to experience feelings and emotions. But what are you going to do with those? Well, as believers in Christ, because we believe the Word of God to be true, we take these feelings we have and we ask God, God, what does your Word say about this? How am I to live my life? What am I supposed to do with these feelings? What am I supposed to do with this, this fear? And God reminds us, I love this, that at what time we're afraid, whenever we're afraid, we can trust in God. God also says, cast your cares upon me uh, because he cares for us. He, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but, but, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, it's so good. It's so good. So hold fast to the truth of God's word daily. 
dive into the scriptures and let God comfort you with that and give you hope and peace. And then lastly, I would say this. Persevere in the midst of suffering. As believers in Christ, God gives us the strength to persevere. He did that with the believers who faced the tyrannical rule of Nero in Rome, who burned Christians um, as human torches in his garden. And God gave believers, he gave them, the ones who Peter wrote to in 1 Peter, strength and courage to live lives of faith and to persevere in the midst of suffering because of the hope we have in Jesus and what is to come. So in these days that we're in, I want to encourage you to persevere, even in the midst of suffering, whatever that level of suffering may be. For my brothers and sisters in Christ in places like the UK, um, where you're experiencing perhaps another, a third lockdown, um, and you may experience suffering, I want to encourage you to, to persevere. Just keep pressing on. For those who are being told in uh, worship gatherings that you can no longer meet and worship together, which I'm so thankful in the Supreme Court here in the United States that they struck down what Andrew Como tried to do in limiting worship gatherings. But that's happening. In Canada, it was reported today that there was a reporter standing outside of a church that were counting the number of people that were coming out of the church to try to report them um, to government officials. That's the world we live in. And what I will tell you is that that until Christ comes back, we're going to see suffering happen, and it's going to increase, and that's why we trust him. We trust him. We don't live in fear. Uh, we live by faith in a God who is more than capable and able and is more than sufficient um, to get us through this and to give us the courage and everything we need um, to to, to make it through this and to thrive even in the midst of this, that the gospel might be elevated in this. So again, I encourage you as we've, as I've talked about the great reset, do your own research. You can go on um, the world economic forums website and the, the address for that. Let me just make sure I, I get this correctly because I, I want, I want you to be able to go to this website and be able to see um, specifically what, what they're saying, but you can go to the World Economic Forum's website, and it is weforum, W-E-F-O-R-U-M dot org. So weforum.org, that's the World Economic Forum, and you're going to see on there their agenda, their platforms, reports, events, videos. If you scroll down to the bottom of their webpage, you're going to see other things, and I would encourage you to take a look at the link that says Strategic Intelligence. It's at the very bottom of their website page. And it, it will open your eyes to some things, and you're going to see their agenda. And there, there are too many for me to list here. But, but just take a deep dive into that, and you're going, to see that you're going to see their agenda. You're going to see their platform. And you're going to see that everything I've told you um, is true, comes straight from them. If you want to check out the United Nations, the sustainability goals that I spoke about, you can go to the website UN dot org un dot org um, backslash sustainable development again that's un dot org backslash sustainable development all one word after dot org um, and you can check out the un's website as well so as as I close this episode as a follower of Jesus even though we live in difficult days 
I trust in the God who is sovereign over all things. I put my trust in him. And because of that, I can have peace. I pray fervently, um, and but I live by faith, not by fear. And I trust him wholeheartedly. I hope that uh, you have learned something from this podcast or maybe, I hope, been encouraged or at least um, have been given some insight as to the Great Reset and what's coming. But the hope we have as well as followers of Jesus because of who he is and what he has promised us. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Crossroads in Culture. If this has been helpful to you, I would encourage you to go to your favorite podcast platform, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever that may be, and subscribe to Crossroads in Culture. That way, every time I post a podcast, you're able to be notified that a new one is available. So until next time, thanks again for joining me on Crossroads and Culture.